Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Outsports Podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Jim along with Sid. Uh, we're in L.A. where we're getting uh, football back after 21 years. Sid, you ever see a, a, a game in L.A. when you were here? Or hadn't you not moved here yet? Well, am I getting Sid? Hello, Sid, you there? Well, I will wait for Sid to get back online here. We're having some technical difficulties, but um, the Rams moving back to L.A. for the first time since ninety uh, end of the 94 season, and um, kind of where they should be. The Rams came from Cleveland where they weren't there very long and had been in L.A. since from 1946 to 94 and moved to St. Louis under the old owner, Georgia Frontieri. Uh, and I covered the relocation wars back in the 90s, and the Rams played in a lousy stadium in Orange County, which was the Angel Stadium, which is a terrible football venue. And um, now they're going to be playing at a new stadium in Inglewood next to where the old L.A. Forum was where the Lakers played, but that will not open for um, several years. And so they're going to be playing in the Coliseum. So um, it's going to be exciting to have that back. Um, and so they'll be playing in the Coliseum for three years. And um, Sid, do we have you, Sid? Yes. Yeah, that, that I I unmuted you. There's just some technical problem. It wouldn't let me log on for a while, so we'll not bore the the listeners with this. But there was some technical glitches with this podcast that <laughs> we still haven't figured out after well, all those you know, years. My, a, a good friend of my a good friend of mine just just literally yesterday announced he's departing Fox uh, International to he- head up a huge new um, podcast company. So maybe we'll be moving soon. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. This is a this is a nice system we have, but it's a little clunky and it tends to have little technical glitches. And so, if anyone listening live, they must realize these are two guys uh, trying to wing it, <laughs> doing a podcast. So I was talking about the Rams moving to L.A. and my question was, did you were you here yet in L.A. when the Rams actually played here? They they played their last game. The, the, the Raiders and the Rams both played their last game. The end of the 1994 season, I moved in 1995. So I came to L.A. and the NFL left. So <laughs> glad to, I guess I'm glad to see the back. I mean, the Patriots don't play here until 2020. They play actually next year. The Rams play at the Patriots. So i got to wait sort of four years to see my team play in L.A. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it, as someone who's been here since 85, I love watching games at the L.A. Coliseum, and the Rams will be there for the next three years while the stadium in Inglewood's being built. But you know, I'm not a big fan of relocation. I think it kind of screws the, the the original city. But in this case, the Rams pretty much were Los Angeles. I mean, they, they were very briefly in Cleveland, and they moved here because the Browns owned Cleveland. Um, and they were here from 46 to 94. And this is this is was kind of their ancestral home. So it's kind of a good move back, and when they moved to Orange County in the 80s, it really hurt the fan base. If anybody knows L.A., Orange County, people on the west side of L.A. are not going to go to Orange County to go watch a football game. It was a terrible venue. 
um, and the ownership was terrible. So um, it's a good thing they're coming back. I mean, you know, I know St. Louis feels bad, but in a sense they kind of, you know, stole the Rams in 95 and L.A. stealing it back. So it's all about big money. But one team is fine. I don't like the idea that the Chargers are thinking about coming here. I think two teams is too many. I think the Rams would be like a perfect, the perfect team for L.A. and leave the Chargers in San Diego and the Raiders in Oakland. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't know the Chargers will move here. I mean, I guess they probably will. But listen, the NFL has thrived over the last twenty-two years since leaving LA. I don't know. I don't even know why they had to move back. I don't. I, I don't believe that there's some huge, massive fan base screaming for the, the Rams to move back. I know the NFL wants a stronger LA presence. They're moving offices here. The network is based here. Uh, ESPN is making the same shift. So. I guess L.A. is becoming the place to be for these sports companies, and and they want to be here whether there's some huge groundswell for them to be here or not. Yeah, I think that you you hit on it. This this thing in England is going to be what they're calling a campus. It's going to be huge. It's going to host the NFL.com, NFL Media, NFL Network. It's all going to be based here. And the chief operating officer of the Rams gave an interview to the L.A. Times where he talked about L.A. is a red zone fantasy football league kind of town because they don't have a team, and that this whole venue is going to incorporate that. They're even talking about having, you know, team-themed sports bars on the, you know, in the area surrounding the stadium. So if you're a Patriots fan and you want to go catch the Patriots game, you can go watch the Patriots game at that sports bar then walk over, you know, a few hundred yards to the stadium to watch the afternoon game. I mean, the idea is they're, <clears throat> they're kind of realizing that L.A., you know, has a lot of people from elsewhere who root for other teams and aren't going to give up those allegiances. But if they can kind of get him into the venue, um, they have a you know they have a shot. And I think in that scenario, it could really thrive because if you say this is a destination for me, maybe you're a a fan who doesn't have a ticket to the game but just wants to hang out in that area and watch all the games on you know the Sunday ticket. Um, so it seems like they're actually doing it in a smart way. And of course, it's money for the owners, and LA is a lot more lucrative market. In a place like St. Louis, I guarantee you the Super Bowl and whenever, whenever the first Super Bowl available is, it's going to be in L.A., whether I think that's 20, 2019 or 2020. Well, and you know what? That will be an amazing Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, because well, they're going to Inglewood, right? Inglewood, yeah. Yeah, it's a great. For those of you who don't know, it's, it's right next to the airport. There's a ton of opportunity to do other stuff here. It's about... 20 minutes from Beverly Hills, about 20 minutes from Venice. It, it really is a good location. It's, where the, it's, it's, it's yeah. near where the uh, Lakers used to play at the Forum. Pretty much almost next door. So it's and oh, the old Hollywood Park facility. So it's, it's a great venue, and um, we'll see how that goes. We have a caller on the line. Um, who is this? Oh, yeah, you know, recognize the number. I'm so disappointed. Oh, well, this is uh, our friend from Indiana. Yes, our wonderful Colts fan. It's feeling weird not being the pro season currently, but uh, I think I've had a little bit with this year. So. No, I just well, I read the Colts are already I'm posting ads in St. Louis wanting the uh, Ram, the St. Louis people to become Colts fans. Yes, they are. They I, I followed them on Twitter, and they already started that. Yeah. That was already started by them. I can't believe them. They're only 240 miles away, so they're already trying to siphon, siphon those fans over to our side, which isn't a bad thing to do. But, you know, I just want to quickly call and say hi and let you know that I am looking forward to the weekend. I will enjoy watching the Chiefs' defensive line clobber the Patriots' offensive line. 
that should be a that that that'd be worth going to see that in person. Unfortunately, I'll be I'll be driving and most likely listening to it on the radio. Well, I agree. I think the Chiefs are going to clobber the Patriots. I think this is a two touchdown win for the, for Kansas City and and uh, either Denver or Kansas City will be in the Super Bowl. I oh, Sid's so a Patriots fan who's sandbagging. He thinks the Patriots will win. So. No, I don't. I told you that. I've told you that all week long. I don't, I don't think the Patriots will win. I I hope they do, but I don't see it. Oh, by the way, did you get my lovely little uh, article I sent you via tweet? Well, I well, saw that you had Adam Vinatieri so growing a beard. Oh, no, 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 not that one. Yes, Adam Vinatieri can grow a beard anytime he wants to, and that won't hurt my feelings. No, I'm, I just sent you and Sid a tweet about uh, a 538 little article on the Best kickers and punters, et cetera, and uh, Goskowski. Gos- yeah, I can't say the name. Goskowski, via metrics, is the number one kicker. Well, let's you know, hope he gets 19 field goals on, on Saturday. I think they'll be lucky to get past the 50 yard line most of the time. And I, 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 I'm I, the I only mean, one I, picking I mean, the Patriots. I feel bad. <laughs> you're, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Jim, you're picking the Patriots? I think the Patriots are going to win the game. He's only saying that. Ah, I, think the Chiefs are, I think the Chiefs have played a soft schedule. They have not played a really good team in their stretch. Uh, they played a bunch of backup or injured quarterbacks, and I think their line will give Brady fits, but I, I just don't see them scoring a lot of points, and I think uh, New England's going to win the game. Well, I, if, if I may, if I may quote Pablo Escore very quickly from a couple of years ago, I, I just have I just have three words for you, Alex Smith, man. <clears throat> if you watch around the horn, you would appreciate that quote. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll leave right, I just well, want to say I'm just enjoying the playoffs, and I will let you all go and let you get to your podcast. Well, good talking to you, Bob. We'll uh, we'll check in soon. Mix maybe the Colts will be in the playoffs sometime in the next decade. Oh, I tell for the next two or three years. So. Well, they should. They have, right, one of the, they have a great quarterback, though. So. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. As our a longtime listener, Bob Trucker, Robert, um, huge Colts and Adam Vinatieri fan, he texted me that Adam was growing a beard and his heart was going pitter-patter. So <laughs> Everybody has their thing. But he was not our hot kicker and our all-hot team. It was uh, Brandon McManus, so... Um, but let's talk about what we had discussed, uh, what our, our main focus is, and that's the whole Kiss Cam thing. And do you want to fill people in on the, the latest Kiss Cam, uh, in this case, not controversy, something kind of cool? Well, I guess it's always a controversy when the Kiss Cam's involved. I'm just a couple of guys who are gay, and there were a couple, uh, they're Kings fans, they, they had actually tried to get the Kings to focus their kiss cam on them in the past unsuccessfully in this last Thursday, I guess the Kings cam turned to them and during a game against the Maple Leafs, I believe. And, and the, and, and the two did not disappoint. They, it wasn't just a peck on the lips. They were, they, they, they full on lip to lip, mouth to mouth kiss and, and the crowd cheered. And it just, you know, I think the crowd reaction shows you it's just, it's just, is just not a big deal to these folks. It's not something negative that you need to that you need to shy away from anymore in sports. So I thought that was cool. The, the crowd reaction was particularly cool, and 
and they and they, so they sent us a video, and and the video, I mean, it's one of our most watched videos ever, three hundred thousand. Yeah, what did it get? And counting. What's How that? many views? Three hundred thousand so far. Wow. Well, it really sort of it, it's sort of been a sea change. You know, we've thought about it that we really hated the kiss cam because for the longest time they would use same sex or or two guys together, whether or not they're a couple as foils, as as sort of a punchline, and the crowd would laugh and they would titter. But we've had the Dodgers uh, with two guys on a kiss cam in <clears throat> last year and the Kings now. And so I think it shows that, you know, the audiences are wising up to that and it's no longer considered a, a thing to joke about. It's considered something to celebrate. So you know, maybe the kiss cams actually have a purpose that kind of go, you know, maybe they haven't outlived their usefulness because they may have a bit of a new uh, a restart. And I'm curious to see if this were to happen in other, you know, other maybe less <laughs> cosmopolitan places, what the re- reaction would be. Oh, it would be the same. We know people have moved on, and they and people people look for opportunities to express how welcoming they are. And I, I don't. I, I'm sure there are places where it may have gotten some quieter cheers, or maybe even a couple snickers. But I think that for the most part, people have moved past this. It's the it's it's the it's the guys in suits in the front offices of big the sports corporation that, that haven't gotten past this. By sport, I mean sports teams. They're the ones who haven't gotten past this. They're the ones who still think that uh, Americans are stupid and Americans are backwards and, and 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 they have to, you know, be careful around these kinds of issues. They just, most of them still haven't figured out how far America's moved past this. Well, it's also interesting when you look at surveys and other data that are finding what might be called a lot more sexual fluidity among people under 30 that, you know, people sort of much more open to the idea that they may want to experiment in a same sex, you know, fling once in a while, maybe not that they're not going to identify necessarily as a gay person, but that even guys are a little less, for want of a better word, you know, grossed out by this. It used to be the, uh, uh, you know, they didn't care if they saw two lesbians making out, but two guys would be freaking them out. There seems to be a little bit less of that, and at least young men are a little more open to considering the fact that, yeah, maybe in the right circumstance, it might be something I might experiment with. And I think that's maybe part of it, too, I hope. Of course, I think people are becoming more in touch with how they really think. There's so much homophobia, as we know, is just latent homosexuality. that People rail against what rail against their own truths, right? They, they, they project upon other people their own self-hatred. So you know, it's not a surprise that we find out that some of these people who have been the most anti-gay end up having issues themselves. And, and I mean, we've seen this over and over again, right? I mean, so often that the people who who are the ones who scream loudest are the ones that people wonder if they're gay, I mean, right? Denny Haster is is one of them. Yeah, well, you see that a lot with politicians who, you know, who get caught up in some sort of sting operation or something. Um, which is what was the whole outing debate in the, in the gay media for years about, you know, do you, who do you, do you ever out anybody? And the consensus seemed to be you would only out a politician who was, you know, openly anti-gay. Uh, I think that seems a little bit less now because only because it doesn't seem like there's much action that Congress is, is doing or not doing. The whole, you know, you're not seeing in this campaign gay issues really are a non-factor. I mean, gay marriage for all the 
you know, you'll hear the Republican candidates sort of say, oh, they they believe, you know, sex it's, it should be between man and a woman, but it's not it's not the hot button issue, and so they're not even pushing it. And so if it's not being pushed by anybody, I think the odds of someone being seen as hypocritical is less because it's not something that they're making their centerpiece of a campaign. Yeah, well, except for except for the religious folks, it's really the the religious folks that. Well, I, I'm just waiting for some of these guys to get caught literally with their pants down, which would be the best. And I don't know. I've talked to them before. <laughs> one of the one of the leading religious guys in the country. He he hit on me repeatedly at the Republican convention in 2004. I mean, so that I, I just I think a lot of these guys are obsessed with homosexuality, or they're obsessed with homosexuality. Well, the old, the former, the late Senator Jesse Helms, who used to be famous for his anti-gay hatred, I mean, his, he had a gay relative who was convinced Jesse was gay. I mean, Jesse Helms would read details of graphic sex acts, <clears throat> you know, from gay porn novels into the congressional record to show how depraved the gays were, but it was like the weirdest thing. He would sit there on the floor to, you know, send it. Nobody else was there and just read these passages and it was like this window into this guy who probably was turned on by the thought, but to him, you know, he was trying to betray it as some kind of moral crusade. But, you know, that that's a guy who, you know, you want to do a psychological study of. But um, but I do think that seems to be lessening. There's still that pockets out there. But at least in a place like L.A., at a sporting event, I don't think that's going <laughs> to – I don't have to worry about the religious right really kind of protesting a kiss cam at a Dodger game or an Angel game or a L.A. Ram game. Well, I remember back when we did there was at the gay night at the Phillies back in 2000, I think it was 2005 or 2004, and you had religious people show up and sit in the stands and unveil a homosexuality, a sin, a giant banner, and I don't think the Phillies would ever allow that to happen ever again because, um, yeah, it's just not, I think the fans don't accept it. And, and, And the more, you know, we... What we need is more of these front office people to understand that you know you you can embrace this kind of stuff and and it's and it's gonna be okay. Well, kind of shifting gears to sort of something um, you know that kind of goes along with the idea of feeling comfortable. We had a great um, article this week by a swimmer at a TCU, Cooper Robinson, and he worked with Cooper on the story. But again, it was a case where this. He came close to killing himself and kind of pulled back and is sort of now, you know, you know, happy. And again, what does that tell us about the whole arc of these things where people feel so desperate and yet when they actually finally come out, their lives change for the better and they become happy, content people? Uh, there's, uh, it's just, I think it's so difficult because from the day we are born, our parents, our friends, our coaches, people in the media, they push this expectation that we are straight. And and even if there is not overt homophobia, there we live in this expectation. And somebody like Cooper, who in addition to that expectation, did hear homophobic things growing up, and it builds just so much pressure and so much belief that it's going to all it's going to be bad when you come out and you don't fill those expectations and you are that that 
gay thing that people are, are yelling at you. And, of course, what we find is that the people in people's lives on their teams and off their teams love them for who they are. It doesn't matter whether they're gay or straight. It, just, it doesn't matter to people. Parents end up crying, and they have to shift their 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 expectations, but most of them do shift their expectations, and, and it's okay. And, uh, you know, it just... I was just talking to a guy the other night on the phone. It's going to come out hopefully next week. And, it, it, you know, he wanted to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen when, when this story hits? <laughs> You're going to get uh, 10,000 emails of appreciation and love. You're going to get invited to the GLAAD Awards and people are going to be, they're going to embrace you. You're going to get two emails that say, how dare you do this? And the other 100,000 are going to be amazing. And everybody in your life is going to love it. So it's just because that's what you and I have seen over and over and over and over and over and over and over again every time this happens. Well, and here's an example of, you know, the idea of making differences and just reaching out. We got a, a an email from a, I'll, I'll read the beginning. I love out sports and listen to the podcast. Yay, so I'm listening to the podcast. It is definitely the type of thing growing up as a young gay sports player that would have really impacted me. I currently coach high school basketball in Massachusetts. I just want to say thank you for doing what you do. P.S. Travis Kelsey, the chief, should have been an honorable mention on your list. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's an example of someone who is, you know, is, is able to sort of reach out because he's hearing stuff that he couldn't hear. He hears the two of us babbling for 30 minutes a week and, you know, it, it made a difference. And so that's the kind of stuff. And I think Cooper's story was so powerful because it really took him to a dark place. I mean, we've talked about people thinking about suicide, but he, you know, he kind of had pills in his hand. And you kind of think if he had gone through with it, what a to- what a tragedy and what a waste that would have been for, you know, a, you know, a beautiful life. He had pills in his stomach. And, and I debated, you know, we sometimes when we, we write about suicide, we have people write about suicide and depression, we get we get responses from people who work in that area. So, you know, you really shouldn't highlight this and you should be more sensitive about it. You should handle it differently. And this is his truth. This is, this is what the kid went through. And I think it's important to talk about it openly and, and Cooper appreciated it. So, you know, I, we just don't at Outsports shy away from this conversation, whereas other people want us to handle it a certain way and be careful and sensitive. And, 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 and we are that stuff. It's just, but we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, kind of whitewash this issue. Kids try to kill themselves because they're gay. You know, let's hope we'll get less and less and less of that happening as time goes on. Um, let's spend the last few minutes, since it is it is our sport, football. Outsports started because of the NFL. Sid and I met playing flag football. Um, he came over the first year. I had NFL Sunday ticket to watch the games on my old place in L.A. and, you know, this is before the Patriots became the evil empire and actually kind of liked them when they had Pete Carroll as their coach. That's how long ago that was. Oh. Uh, oh. We have we have the NFL playoffs coming up, and uh, I know you've already said you're picking the Chiefs. Uh, kind of run down um, the games and get your vibe on it. So you're, you 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 think the Chiefs will beat the Patriots? Yes. Well, I'll take yeah. the Patriots in that. I just again, as I, we get, kind of gave our reasons before. Uh, the second game Saturday, uh, Green Bay at Arizona. Um, two former Pac-10, uh, 12 quarterbacks, Carson Palmer, USC, Aaron Rodgers, Cal. You know, what's interesting is that the Cardinals just destroyed the Packers just a few weeks ago in Arizona. And, you know, it, 
I don't know what to make of this game. I mean, if the Cardinals are the better team. Clearly, they have a better offense. They have a better defense. Right now, I, you know, I think they have a better quarterback. I, I got to pick the Cardinals. But, you know, oftentimes, it's just a few weeks ago that they obliterated the Packers. I just wonder if the opposite might happen this time around. Yeah, I like the Cardinals, and I like them fairly comfortably. I, I do think they're a better team. And I saw Jaworski on ESPN break down the Packer game and called it fool's gold, meaning the Redskins hadn't beat a team with a winning record all season. Um, I don't think it's going to be 38-8. to I see it maybe a lot closer, but I don't think Arizona it really is a total team right now, and they're missing uh, Tyrone Matthew, um, who's out, you know, their best safety, so that's a big loss. But I think the way they're playing uh, on offense, they, they kind of are relentless and they're aggressive, and I don't think Green Bay will stand with, you know, stand with them. So I'll, I'll take the Cardinals, but not not 38-8. Um the next one, the team we both kind of are getting sick of, the Seattle Seahawks, who should have lost last week, except for Blair Walsh missing a, a chip shot field goal. Uh, Seattle goes to Carolina in what should be a really, really tough, hard-fought game. Um, I know who I'm picking. Who do you got? Well, you have the team that's the healthiest in the playoffs against the team that's the luckiest in the playoffs. So uh, I, I'm – I'm going to go with the healthy team. I'm going to go with the Panthers, but, you know, the Seahawks are the luckiest team in the NFL, and so who knows what's going to happen, but I guess I guess I'll pick the Panthers. Well, I mean, I, I'm taking the Seahawks. Cam Newton will be spiking the ball to run the clock out. It'll hit top of his foot, bounce in the air, and Richard Sherman will return it for a miracle touchdown. I just have a feeling the Seattle team is, they kind of play in, as I say, with house money. And I also think they match up. I think it's a great matchup in these games. If you look at the final margins, the last five games have been like average of like four points in the regular season. Neither team ever really dominates the other. And I'm rooting for Carolina. I just, I mean, I'm taking Seattle maybe because I want to take them so they'll lose <laughs> the reverse psychology thing, but uh, I'm taking the Seahawks. And in the final one, uh, the team I'm rooting for, the Broncos, have home field playing the Steelers in the Battle of the Invalids. Uh, ben Roethlisberger hurt shoulder, Peyton Manning, old, broken-down quarterback. So <laughs> who do you like in that one? Oh, the Broncos, like, 10. I mean, I just, the, the Broncos yeah, are I, home, they have better defense. The, the, the Steelers are a, a, a mess <laughs> physically, and that's not taken. Yeah, I like Denver, too. I mean, they, if they lose this one, you kind of wonder when they'd ever win a playoff game, meaning the Steelers' quarterback is injured in his throwing shoulder. The best receiver may not play. Their best running back is not playing. They're playing a team that is as healthy as it's been in weeks at their home field where their defense plays so much better. I mean, yeah, if Denver loses this one, that would be that'd be the biggest upset of the weekend. It'd be much bigger than Kansas City beating New England. It would just be like, you know, kind of head scratch. Oh, yeah. But it has happened to Peyton Kings before. It has happened to his time. wrote about it for SB Nation that he's had six one-and-dones in the last nine years and three Super Bowl appearances. So I I said it's like boomer bust. Either If he wins his first game, he's going to the Super Bowl. But in every game he's lost except one has been tight in the fourth quarter. So if the Steelers kind of keep it close – I have a feeling that they're going to probably pull it out somehow because just bad stuff always tends to happen to Peyton's teams, even if he's not on the field. 
Well, the great thing is we we get to find out this weekend. But I, I, I at this point I gotta run. <laughs> well, you we gotta, gotta catch a plane, one, so we'll one cut this short. off early. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. Um, I'm Jim with Sid. We will talk to you next week.